0: He always
1: seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull.
0: Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin, back from whatever the last few weeks have been uh <laughs> completely sleep deprived and excited to get going here joined by somebody i always enjoy talking to howard beck of sports illustrated howard is uh we are doing this obviously over StreamYard. we we both have each other uh we can see each other in this thing and howard is celebrating the beginning of year two of russell westbrook with a big giant brick wall behind him it's just <laughs> perfect wow wow that was just that was well done by you that is incredible
1: wow um so uh did not see that coming uh not intending any subliminal or non-subliminal messages and since i'm using this particular platform i think for the first time when you sent me the link and i'm like okay great the 753rd different uh audio video platform that somebody's sending me a link to for their podcast. Cause like, every, there's a bazillion of these and everybody's they got a are. different one. I'm like, all right, let me see what this one has. And it offered an opportunity, uh, right at the, the sign on to do a virtual background. And since I have wreckage behind me and cat boxes and stuff, I'm like, Oh, cool. A virtual thing, but I don't have any of my own stuff loaded up. Oh, it offers <laughs> me some options. Oh, there's a brick wall. That seems like nice, Nike and nice and plain and effective. Uh-huh. Uh, So thank you for setting me up to look like I'm bashing Westbrook by my mere choice of virtual background when all I was trying to do was cover up a damn cat box. So uh, congrats, Anthony, on your latest arrival. (laughs) Thank Um, you. I hope you're not too sleep deprived. Welcome back to the, the world hope uh, hope all is well with the family
0: yeah everybody's happy and healthy and and i'm so sleep deprived that i embarrassed my my guests right from the get-go of the show just just absolutely perfect um yeah that's basically we're going to talk about the lakers offseason we're going to talk about the nba offseason um before you and i recorded last night the phoenix suns lost to the adelaide 36ers um which gives us a, a pretty decent uh segue into the entire Sarver situation, some some loose ends there that, that I have found kind of interesting if we get to that. But but yeah, the the, the, the focus of this is going to be mostly on the Lakers and the offseason that they had. And the way that I would describe it from, from my perspective is you know they headed into the offseason knowing that there was a move that they had to make. Everybody knew that there was a move that they had to make. And they seem to retrofit their the, the rest of their off season with that move in mind as they acquired more guards um, to an already guard heavy roster and and yeah like I am just kind of I'm just kind of curious from where you're sitting and from what you heard over the o- over the course of the off season how did <laughs> how did they not do the one thing that everybody knew they had to do
1: so uh, last week i was on zach lowe's pod uh doing the five most confusing teams uh (laughs) which is an annual tradition for zach's pod Mm -hmm. um and uh i was i was happy to join him for that and i felt like i i didn't want to to do the obvious right i was trying to be as creative as possible and the confusing teams as zach always explains it's not about the organization is confused or anything. It's, it's teams that confuse us, the, the yeah. viewer, the pundit, the fan, the whoever by feeling like I'm not actually sure I know what this team is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the nets, we, we ruled them out from the beginning. We weren't even going, like before we even started the pod, we had texted each other. And I said, we're not going to do the nets, right? Because he's already covered that in full, but also the nets are the most confusing team possibly in the history of the NBA. <laughs> Yeah. Because they could be champions or they could be imploding, you know, tomorrow. So the idea is just confusion over outcome, over potential, over what this season will actually hold for a team. And I had to come out of the gates firing, even though it felt cliche that I the Lakers were my number one most confusing team. They were on Zach's yeah. list too. We discussed them at length. And that's it. Like they are they're confusing. And also, like they even in the other sense of confusion, the one that Zach always says is not the theme of the pod. I I am also confused by what they have, have and have not done. So that also applies in this case. Um, Yeah. No, they did not fix any of their biggest issues. They did not get more shooting. They did not not get more wing defense. They did not offload Russell Westbrook and his massive contract and his questionable fit. Um, They did not do anything except bring in more guards, as you point out and look like in the abstract or in in, um, not the abstract in, in a vacuum, each one of these moves, like, Oh, you picked up Patrick Beverly. I, 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 I will praise any team that picks up Patrick Beverly that has pl- a deep playoff aspiration. He's a
0: great LeBron point guard. Like sure. absolutely, just like the kind of point guard you yeah. want next to LeBron.
1: Also the kind of defensive pest and brash, uh, edgy, yeah. just that any playoff team wants that guy, right? The, everybody would love to have Patrick Beverly. If you are a team with, with uh deep playoff aspirations. And yes, you're right. Also a perfect fit as a LeBron point guard. Um, bring Dennis Schroeder back. Okay, fine. Sure. Another guy who can create some some uh scoring opportunities for himself and for teammates. That's 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 fine. good value at the the minimum. Sure. In the abstract, fine. But yes, uh a glut of guards, Kendrick Nunn, I guess, being penciled in as as the starter right now, uh, along with Westbrook. And so now Beverly and Schroeder are off the bench. And you know, like you can play four guards for parts of the season, but like it's it's hard to consistently play. Four guards, even in today's NBA, with a lot of small ball, and then Austin Reeves is like kind of floating around out there too, um, and the, you know the the center rotation of you know, Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, fine, whatever. Anthony Davis should be playing the you know the the most important minutes at center anyway. Um, and, you know, and they picked up Lenny Walker the fourth. You know, Lenny Walker's fine. I mean, it just I don't know what it, it's fine. The off season was okay. It wasn't catastrophically bad, but it was it's not inspiring either. And it doesn't address any of their major concerns. Now, if you want to say that their biggest concern is actually just staying healthy, okay, fine. And it's not about personnel at all. It's just about LeBron and Anthony Davis staying healthy.
0: Well, the good um, news there is Anthony Davis is already on the injury report <laughs> heading into the first preseason game.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a um, great start. Uh, so, uh, listen, I, I think benefit of the doubt version of this is is, is the following. No, they didn't trade Russell Westbrook. Yes, he's still a questionable fit. No, I do not expect him to magically change in the in the next few weeks and, and become a great fit. But one, maybe, maybe Darvin Ham gets through to him in a way that Frank Vogel could not. Maybe just it being year two of trying to figure this out, although we all just assume that Russell Westbrook is going to be inflexible and, and prideful because it's always how he has uh, carried himself maybe he's finally at the point of his career where he says, you know what? I do need to do things differently. I do need to concentrate more on defense and not taking bad shots. And, um, and, and I'll, and and when uh, the time comes to play off the bench, I'll do that. Like, that's not how it's starting the season. It looks like, it looks like he's going to be in the starting lineup, but sixth man is still his best role there. Is it possible that at some point we get the, the role player version of Westbrook? That is the maximum of his role player version, as opposed to the flawed version of his starter still thinks he's an all-star version. I I, I don't know, but the other benefit of the doubt is because that one's, I think uh, not, not highly likely, but uh, you know, listen, it's October. Everybody can dream. Um, (laughs) the other benefit of the doubt is okay they didn't get the deal that they wanted during the summer and one that they were comfortable sending out those two first round picks that are their only you know inducements their only trade assets they weren't ready to do that yet but they're going to see how things work or don't with westbrook in the next few weeks couple months and Maybe they think those options will still be there. Maybe the Miles Turner buddy healed combo or the whatever the Jazz can put together or what, like, whatever those uh, possible iterations of a, of a Westbrook deal involving those picks, maybe it's still there in a month or two. And now the question then becomes how far have they sunk themselves in the standings while still trying to make all these awkward pieces fit together? Right. Who
0: and knows? then, and then if you're doing that mid season, you're now trying to, you don't have a preseason to work through how miles Turner and 80 fit together on a court. You don't have, you know, you don't have a training camp to figure out um, how much help defensively you need to make up for buddy Heald's just complete apathy towards that side of the ball. Yeah. I, yeah. I, here, I, I always hear in a vacuum when, when it comes to the Lakers moves and that's a years long trend, right? It, it, in a vacuum, adding Montres Harrell made some sense. In a vacuum, uh trading uh, a breaking down Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder made some sense. In in a vacuum, this and that and whatever. Uh but the problem is like basketball isn't played in vacuum sealed bags. Like <laughs> this isn't this is everybody some... would
1: suffocate, Anthony. It's not advisable. <laughs> Don't do that.
0: Uh but like it's it's not it's not some combo lunch. It's not it's not some brown sack lunch that like you put three or four bags into, and they and those those ingredients won't mix while that thing is in that brown baggie. It's they do mix. They they do have to fit together. This is a singular meal that has to, a recipe that that works off of each other and evolves over the course of the season. And and yeah. and it's been interesting to see the Lakers just continue to make that same mistake over and over and over again. And the reason I could like. When I look at mistakes that get made over and over and over again, I tend to look at my career. but I, I also I also, though, like, mistakes that that get remade come from a lack of accountability, right? A, a lack of, of change that gets forced upon somebody. And with the way that Jeannie Bus was defending the way that the Lakers operate, um, the only times that she, and she was on your show, she did a, a, a full media tour, um, for their Hulu show yes. over the course of the off season. And the most def- defiant she ever got was when she was asked about how the Lakers operate about the Rambi's, uh, influence on the organization about the, a thin front office that to this point has produced a championship, but has also, made it had had lebron james play on a few of the worst teams that i think he's ever been on and and i think you know when you look at mistakes that keep getting remade it's because those people are comfortable continuing to make those mistakes and and i'm 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 wondering if you've heard anything about you know if the season doesn't play out the way that they're expecting it to you spoke to genie bus and i know you've spoken to people around the league. have you heard anything about the seat getting a little warm under Rob Polinka's rear end?
1: No. Um, but I think it's reasonable to think it, that it could, um, you know, you fire the coach who got you to the championship just two years ago. And, you know, there's, you know, that's, that's always step one. If you're faltering and you need to, to scapegoat somebody um, and you can't shake up the roster, all else fails, you fire the coach. Okay, fine. They fired Frank Vogel. They brought in Darvin Ham. Everybody loves Darvin Ham. And I think everyone's fairly confident around the mm-hmm. league that Darvin Ham's going to be a great head coach. And maybe he's even a better voice and, and fit at this time for this Lakers roster than Frank Vogel was. If you somebody wants to make the case, uh, I'm, I'm willing to listen to that. That's fine. Um, I don't think Frank Vogel is the reason that they underachieved last season or that last uh, underachieved is
0: putting mildly.
1: But, you know, th- they, they had... You know fundamental functional roster issues that everybody in the world could recognize except for the lakers so okay fine uh pulling the lakers
0: didn't address those roster issues no
1: <laughs> just and, just to link but,
0: those two topics
1: yeah well so i and I'll, I'll, and I'll just say this so like we didn't we ended up not coming back to this on the podcast before jeannie and i started recording and i feel comfortable saying this uh because she actually Said, yeah, I'll say, you know, well, we can we can discuss it on the pod. And I just didn't get back to it. But we were just chit chatting before the pod. And I said something about how they didn't really do anything dramatic in the offseason. And she's like, yeah, we did. I said, well, I said, no, you just kind of take it around the edges with the roster. She says she says we hired Darvin Ham, And so, you know, the the feeling of the organization enough genie and, and, and i said we'd come back to it on the pod and i just i didn't that was my bad because we just have plenty else to, to discuss mm-hmm. but i don't think she'd mind me saying that that was that was going to be her response if i had said that while we were actually recording yeah. her feeling is we did make a major change we did make um you know, strides in the offseason, and it's it, it was darvin ham um that's fine that is that is a, a defensible position i think for the organization if they truly believe that coaching was the issue and that they just needed a new voice and and some better luck and good health we'll see we'll see Uh, i i don't agree i'm i'm skeptical obviously uh as i'm sure you know i'm sure you and most laker fans that you know are probably skeptical but we'll see as i say there you know it's october so we can do you know everything can be benefit of the doubt for the moment right Benefit of the doubt, Russell Westbrook comporting himself differently. Benefit of the doubt, the Lakers staying healthy. Benefit of the doubt, these pieces and and these this glut of guards somehow uh, fitting and becoming better than the sum of their parts. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, my feeling is they didn't get enough done in the off season again. Um, and if they don't make a – if Westbrook still does not fit, if he still looks the same with them as he did last season – and if they don't move him in the next couple of months, I mean, where else are you going to look at that point? Who, who else are you going to blame for the failures? And you know, I have been saying for at least five years, I think, trying to think back to you know what was last, what was LeBron's last year or two with Cleveland, um, that if you have LeBron James or a player of his caliber, there have been very few players of his caliber, but if you have mm-hmm. a player who is an all-timer on your roster. And especially if it's late in his career, you are obligated uh, professionally, morally, ethically, spiritually, (laughs) emotionally. Yeah. If I left anything out to do everything possible to make sure that they have a shot, a plausible shot to win it all. And I don't think anybody's putting the Lakers in that conversation right now. And and this is at a time of great parody, too. Right. Like I think the West and the East are both. Wide open is too big of a of a of a catch all, but they are both very much open. There are multiple teams in both conferences that I believe can win it all, mm-hmm. but the Lakers are not on that list, unless absolutely everything breaks right. Like they have more caveats and asterisks than, than anybody else, aside from aside from the Nets. Um, <laughs> but at least the Nets. Listen, if if the biggest if on the Nets is as long as they all still want to be here. Kyrie's
0: YouTube history.
1: I, I just don't get me started. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, at least with the Nets, the the caveat is not about talent. The caveat is yeah. not about talent. The caveat is not about roster balance. It's not about roster construction. Like, okay, sure, the Nets could use a, another big, whatever. Um, everybody's got some hole on the roster. But the Nets, we are not concerned with whether or not there's enough talent there or depth or fit. The Nets, as long as they don't all demand another trade tomorrow, are a contender as long as they don't overthrow Steve Nash and Sean Marks tomorrow, they're a contender. (laughs) You cannot say that about the Lakers. The Lakers caveats have much more to do with whether or not they actually have the right pieces around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And that shouldn't be the discussion. You are, as I say, you are obligated. And I said this about Cleveland. I thought it was, it was a mistake. I understand that the Cavs felt like, well, we can't trade the pick that eventually became Colin Sexton. We can't trade this golden ticket, this Nets pick that's going to be in a lottery. If we don't know that LeBron's coming back. And in fact, he did leave. But my feeling was, I don't care. Screw the future. It's not about the future. And I would say the yeah. same thing applies to the Lakers. Now you cannot concern yourself with picks in 2027 and 2029 and 2040. You, you just have to do whatever's possible to make sure that you don't squander another year of LeBron playing in, at an MVP level. And LeBron, as you know, was playing at an MVP level during the whatever 60 games he played last season. If, if that's, if he can still do that, and I think he can, um, And maybe you even get 70-something games out of him this time. If you don't make at least the conference finals because you just stubbornly stuck to Russell Westbrook and and couldn't find the right talent to put around him, that's your failure. And, you know, look, they're hamstrung because of past moves. We've discussed those on your pod before. But you got to do better than that. Like, this is is not the the roster um, that they should have come out of the summer with.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree uh, on that point. And the Lakers, by the way, historically would agree. They went all in 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 the last year with Kobe, where where and it and it did like really hurt their franchise moving forward when it didn't work out. When they brought in Steve Nash and they went out and they got Dwight Howard, and they tried to give it a go one more time with the this will be fun uh, team. Um, Sports Illustrated cover. There you (laughs) go. Uh,
1: But before my time, I'm not taking responsibility for it.
0: (laughs) I would. I would. Personally, I would take as much credit for that thing. To- it's always funny. <laughs> it is but- funny every time. Every time. <laughs> but, but like maybe that's a lesson that they learned. They went all in at the end of Kobe's career and they legitimately hamstrung the franchise moving forward. And maybe they're now, they have that line in the sand. They have done that over the course of Rob Polinka's tenure, where like uh, two years ago they were hard capped and, uh, as a result of the headache that being hard capped made for them, they then apparently decided no hard cap whatsoever. And that impacted their pursuit of DeMar DeRozan last off Right. And they went with Russell Westbrook instead of DeMar DeRozan in large part because Russ didn't hard cap them, even though when they traded for him, they essentially hard capped themselves and said they couldn't afford Alex Caruso and they let him walk for nothing. Uh, it's just, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of contradiction within the moves and within their own logic that, that just continues to confound me. And and I think it continues to confound people around, like you just, you, you said they they were your most con- confusing team. Every time I have a conversation with anybody, they say it's impossible to get a feel for what they're going to do because they don't operate like almost any team in the NBA. The, the, this whole, you know, Jeannie likes to call it a, collaborative culture and how she'll bring phil jackson back and she'll bring magic johnson back and she'll have them consult the lakers on these things and then they they just leave again and it's a a a bare bones front office with rob Polinka and a very thin uh, executive staff around him and then after rob has these it makes a basketball decision it goes up the ranks to Jeannie and Tim Harris and, uh, Kurt and Linda Rambis, and they make their decision from there. And there was one quote, um, there was one report report that made me, uh, kind of pause for a second and believe it was, uh, Brian Windhorst who said, the basketball people don't believe in this roster. That implies that there are not basketball people who are okay with this roster. And, and I just, so long as there is this lack of clarity and lack of direction with the front office, we're all just kind of sitting here wondering about the series of vacuum moves. (laughs) And, and I, you know, I, do you think, you know, again, in talking with Jeannie and, and especially in watching this Hulu doc, this the the Hulu doc has been very eye opening for me as far as why the Lakers operate the way that they do. They pride themselves on being a family, and being a close knit group, and being a mom and pop shop, um, in in a multi billion dollar industry that that the NBA is. Uh, but that worked back when you know, they had to institute the Stepien rule to prevent Ted Stepien from trading first-round picks for the sake of balancing his budget. Uh, That worked in a dumber league in the 80s and and early in the 90s. But as the NBA has gotten smarter and you have MIT brains involved here and Wall Street brains involved here, uh, do you think the Lakers... Are, are are playing catch up do you think they're capable of catching up to where the league is
1: heading well they're capable i mean they've got all the resources in the world they've got one <laughs> of the richest local tv contracts on the planet and um they just have to, i think the you kind of you kind of identified it i think anthony that um the lakers have a tradition of the way they run things and jeannie of course learned at her father's side um but that was a different time it is a different NBA. And it is not just the, you know, introduction of analytics and MIT brains um, and sports science. It is all of those things. Um, but it is just that, yes, in general, the league has uh, teams have made these massive advancements in, in recent years. And you have to be you have to give yourself the tools now. It's not it's not enough just to to have the smartest basketball minds and and. I don't know which team could even claim that, for instance. But it's not good enough just to have great scouting. It's not good enough just to have, um, you know, a really savvy coach. And your GM or your team president, every team does it differently as to who their head of basketball ops is. But your head of basketball ops doesn't have to be the smartest, best talent scout. They have to have assembled the best staff of people who check each of the boxes that you need checked, right? You need your, your analytics person or army in some cases you need your sports science department you need your your cap gurus and who can who can be really creative so that if you have a westbrook situation you can figure out a way to offload him with with minimal pain or or at least the the least pain possible you need all those things do the lakers have all that i think it's a valid question Um, Have the Lakers recognized over the last five to 10 years that the league has evolved to a point where it can't be run like a mom and pop shop anymore? And it actually, they actually need to do two things. One, I I think it's fair to say that they've, they've often had one of the smaller basketball operations staffs. I don't know where that stands right now. I don't want to speak out of turn. I have not done a head count, but they have often had one of the smaller front offices. I'm not sure. Sh- and then look, I could there are people around the league who will spin that both ways. Um, I know people who have felt like they were part of a staff that was too big. And so yeah, their too voice many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And, and that their own voice couldn't be heard and whatever. But, uh, and, and so that they've said, look, you need all those ex- levels of expertise or those kinds of expertise, but it should be streamlined so that you don't have too many people, not just cooks in the kitchen, but sometimes they're wrestling each other for, for power and authority too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the flip side of that is that, you know, if you have not checked all those boxes and you don't have um, you know, some of the best people in each of these different categories that we've talked about, you have put yourself behind. And I don't know that the Lakers have ever really been at the forefront since the league started really evolving um, just uh, uh, in in, in all of these spaces, right? I don't think that the Lakers have, they have been playing catch up. Um, And the other thing is that they still don't like hiring outside of the family. Polinka mm-hmm. was basically like hiring within the family. It was Kobe's agent. We're hiring Kobe's agent. He's yep. he's he's well known to us. Everything else. I mean, I, I I said it at the time. I've I've said it many times since. I, I didn't think it was the best move when 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 Jeannie came. You know, when it came time for her to make the bold move and fire Jim Bus and fire Mitch Kupchak and 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 say it's time for a reset here. Okay, fine. But they needed to to move in a direction that was more in in the spirit of where the NBA is now. And instead it was bring magic back, bring in Palenka. Um, we know how that's gone. We know how it went with magic. And I don't blame Jeannie for going to people that she knows and trusts. It makes sense. But I think, uh, you know, I, I think at some point you have to start to look beyond just your circle of trust and say, well, who, who's just really good at this? Who's got a track record? Magic had no track record of, of doing this. Rob Polinka mm. had no track record of doing this. And if you want to say, well, neither did uh Bob Myers. but well, Bob Myers went and apprenticed for a, a year or so with the Warriors before he became GM there.
0: And they brought in Jerry West.
1: And they brought in Jerry West. And they <laughs> did have a, a, a team of experts to kind of be that, that sounding board, people who had done it before. Um, Neil O'Shea back when he first joined the Clippers wasn't, he didn't join them as GM from day one. He was working under Mike Dunleavy and was part of a whole front office staff there and eventually became a, a, you know, a pretty good GM there and then went to the trailblazers and did a decent job there. Um, the, the guys who have come from the agent world, usually it's been some ramp up time before you take over. Uh, Leon Rose did not do that before the Knicks hired him, but I'm not sure that that's actually producing the best results in New York either, frankly. Mm -hmm. Uh, On
0: or off the court.
1: (laughs) I have always said, if somebody just gave me, I don't know, $5 billion tomorrow, (laughs) if I just happened to come into $5 billion, found it on the street in Brooklyn, and I could buy an NBA team, and I've been around for 25 years, I know a lot of people across the league, I think I know stuff, but I don't know shit when it comes to running a team. My first mission would be, as the new owner of the... um, you know uh i don't know the the revived seattle sonics say i got the expansion team thank you nba happy to be here <laughs> um i'm 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 not going out and hiring the person i know best i'm going yeah. out and and i'm looking around the league and i'm i'll probably hit up i'll try to i'll try to steal sam presty I'll yeah. try to steal RCBU. We
0: were at least casting a wide net, right? Like I'll the thing with steal- the Lakers was, yeah. that they just zero in on on it was yeah. it was Magic and it was nobody else, and then it was Rob Pelinka and it was
1: nobody else, and yeah, go try to go try to pry loose Masai Ujiri, like, and if you can't pry any of those people loose, you ask those same people who's the next you. Yeah, that's what you, you at do least have conversations. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you know, what and when the Lakers will have their next turnover at in, uh, that level, it's inevitable. It will happen. I'm not, I'm not predicting and I'm not advocating. Um, I try not to do either of those things when it comes to people's jobs, but it, it will happen because that's how the NBA works. And when that time comes, I'll be curious to see if they decide to take a, a broader view and just try to hire the best person and not the best Lakers person.
0: Yeah. I, it's, as we're talking, Shams Karania, Sam uh, Amick and Jovan Buher reporting that the Lakers are considering a, a block presser trade. So yep. li- live stuff. This is fun. Well, uh, how about
1: that? Look at Maybe, it, maybe it happens while we're on here and then yeah. my phone will start buzzing with my editor and I will have to cut you off to actually <laughs> yeah. go do some work, but yeah. you know, we'll keep going for now.
0: But, but what's to, to get back to the subject at hand. And and if we have to segue, whatever we will, it looks like we're not going to get to uh, uh, Robert's Sarver. but, but like the, I wanna I wanna get back to because you make I think the most important point here, and it's that even if you don't hire Bob Myers or Masai Ujiri or I know RC Buford uh, was a name that came up back when Magic stepped down, and I know Sam Presti's name his has come up a couple times now in relation to the Lakers uh, once by LeBron James himself in saying he likes the way Sam Presti does business. Although LeBron, you don't care about picks and Sam Presti very much does. So I don't know how that would work, but, but like you cast the wide net and and it's interesting. The Lakers have the Dodgers right there. The Dodgers are, are a a behemoth in baseball right now. They are, uh, they have the best, uh farm system in baseball they are about to set a franchise record in wins they have been in the world series conversation now for going on a decade they have won a decade's worth of of division titles over over this stretch and they just seem to be the way that an organization should run and magic comes from he he has experience directly with the dodgers and it was interesting that he didn't bring any of that information or any of those uh, of those pursuits over to the lakers and and the Lakers just continue to operate the way that like a couple dad neighbors would run their kids YMCA team, you know. Like, hey, we need an assistant coach. We need a defensive coach. I don't know. Hey, Bill, you busy over there? It's just, it's just, it's just fascinating and, and really kind of frustrating to to watch how this is all going down. And and it's going to be, a, I think, the major storyline of this upcoming season. Um, we are. This flew by. And so we're basically out of time here.
1: You if you um, want to hit Sarver for a few minutes, we can do that before we go. Um or if you got if you got one one or one or two more, we can stretch a little here.
0: Uh well all right. Well I'll just finish on, on this one then. Is from what you glean, uh, and again, the thing that Jeannie was the most defiant over the course of the offseason was on this Lakers culture and and, and 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 the family culture of it. Do you think she's capable of of rethinking that approach? Do you think, or, or do you think this is just kind of sort of how she does business?
1: I'm not sure exactly how to answer that. I mean, you know, genius presided over different phases of the Lakers since her father died. And, 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 you know, the fact is obviously there was a lot of, of the internal, you know, power struggles along the way too. So if you want to, you know, start the clock at the moment that she sees control, you know, banished her brothers, uh, fired Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss, hired uh Magic and and Rob Palenka. You know the, the final years of of Kobe's career into you know the 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 you know the the pseudo, pseudo rebuild that followed into the LeBron James and Anthony David. Like, there have been a number of decisions along the way that I think are an extension of the way things have been done, as you you and I were referring to. The one thing that they haven't really, and that genie has not been tested on, um, for very long is what do you do when you just don't have anything? Right. They had Kobe, even if it was, even if it was the later years, Kobe who can't carry a team anymore, you had Kobe. And so everything was still, but he was your North star. It was still about a team that makes sense around Kobe or that makes the last years of his career, you know, semi-presentable. Um, you have a few fallow years and then LeBron comes along and saves your franchise because you're the Lakers and he's LeBron and, Le- and LeBron wanted to live in LA and he wanted to play for the Lakers because they're the Lakers. Mm-hmm. When LeBron retires, I don't know when the heck that that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I might retire before.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm almost certain to retire before LeBron at this, at this rate. <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been at this, this longer than he has. Um, I'm tired. Um, I don't know he's still doing it. Uh, when that day comes, I mean, I think that's when you were going to have to really seriously consider, okay, now what are, what is a Laker team without a, a, a top five player, a superstar, a North star? Yeah. What, what, what are we now? And at that time, um, whoever's leading the front office, or if it's at a, if, if that's a time that you decide that's, you know, maybe that's when you make the front office change. You're going to need more creativity, more intellectual diversity, more boxes checked, from that list we referred to earlier, you're just going to need a bigger, bolder, more creative and modern approach. And I don't know that the Lakers have that right now, but whatever you are, once when you are back to just being another average team with no superstar and and who knows, listen, the history of the Lakers is generally that, yeah, they might know, find another superstar. <laughs> yeah. Every so often one of those guys says, Hey, uh, I want to be a Laker because they're the Lakers. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it, it gives them you know, this, this is, this goes, you know, to the Lakers exceptionalism, right? Like because of the Lakers, they just kind of count on the idea. They're always going to get one of those guys and history has proven them right. And because of that, you haven't had to try to outwork or outsmart the rest of the league. You've Mm -hmm. just counted on being the Lakers as being good enough. And I'm not saying that that's always the case. I don't want to oversimplify this, but I think there is a, a, uh, a baseline of Lakers exceptionalism that has allowed them to kind of cruise on some of these things instead of really building up and being innovative and being more creative. They have not tried to outwork and outsmart everybody. They have counted on being the Lakers. And, you know, meanwhile, other teams have built up, you know, uh, bigger, better, smarter front offices. And at yeah. some point you have to, you have to recognize that. And it may not be until LeBron's gone that they are forced to reckon with that.
0: It's crazy to think that Nah, I'm not going to make that point. I won't make that point here. All right, uh, Howard, I really appreciate you hopping on um, here in this really busy stretch right before the season kicks off. Uh, I did want to get out of the way and help you and let you plug uh, a book from Sports Illustrated uh, in a collaboration with Triumph Books. Uh, Tell me about it.
1: I I can't think of a better place to plug this book uh, because uh, you're a Laker guy with presumably a lot of Laker people, Laker fans listening to you. Um, The book is a collaboration between Sports Illustrated and Triumph Books. It's called The Greatest Show on Earth, A History of the Los Angeles Lakers Winning Tradition. It is 15 stories from the pages of SI going all the way back to the 60s. And these are all the great long-form profiles that SI is is best at, right? So there's Mm -hmm. Elgin Baylor is in here and Jerry West, Kareem, Magic, Kobe and Shaq, of course, LeBron, of course, um, I'm plugging it in part because it's my employer SI, but also I had the honor of writing the forward to the book. So, um, and a a piece that I did on Kobe when I first got to SI on the one-year anniversary of his death, I did a story about how kind of the the spirit of Kobe lives on in in various players. And that's the the final chapter of, of the book. So, um, I was in there for that as well, but I mean, this is, incredible stories by Jack McCallum and Lee Jenkins and Phil Taylor and Frank DeFord and like some of the all-time great writers who worked for for SI. So um that is out soon. It's available at, at uh, triumphbooks.com and you can get a 30% discount. There you go. 30% discounts uh, by going to triumphbooks.com. So uh the code for that 30% discount is Lakers30 uh so that's easy to remember um and that code is valid i think until mid-december so you got plenty of time so go to triumphbooks.com search for the greatest show on earth um and that'll take you right to it and then the discount code is lakers 30 for a 30 percent discount code
0: sounds great everything that made sports illustrated great and everything that we love about the lakers over the years i i can't wait to check it out i'm looking forward to that all right. Well, thank I, you very much, Howard. Uh, your work is at Sports Illustrated. You have the Crossover Pod with Chris Maddox. Uh, and and I can't wait to watch um, you guys go through another year. And and uh, I can't wait to take in your content over the course of the year. And I can't wait to pester you over the course of this year.
1: <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> it. Pester me anytime. Uh, good luck with all the diaper changing and the napping and uh, the sleep training and, and all that stuff. Um, and hopefully next time I see you, um we're both more awake you <laughs> you having gotten through baby time me just uh, you know for me it's just it's not uh, i just am <laughs> often just a little bit incoherent so, i almost uh,
0: started crying last night it was like the because i'm in texas and obviously the lakers play back on the west coast i almost started crying last night because it's like 9 30 start time i'm like
1: oh we're back
0: okay yeah uh, great yeah
1: yeah it it's, fantastic uh, yeah, good, good, good luck with that. Yeah, and it, for for me, it's like back to like, oh, that's right. I'm gonna be up till because I'm on the East Coast. I'm gonna mm-hmm. be up, up till one, one thirty in the morning uh, yep. on these on these games again. It's uh, it's rough. The NBA breakfast, but but <laughs> we love it. <laughs>
0: all right, that's gonna do it here for this episode of the Anthony Irwin Show. We are back to a full schedule here moving forward. Spaces tomorrow, uh, lounge with Harrison on Thursday, hook with Aaron on Friday, plus all of your guys' lowdowns. I am back. We are back. Basketball is back. Can't wait.